and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. This 10th episode is for the week of July 2nd, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to have my new friend, group facilitator, and Reiki and breathwork practitioner, Toby Geis, join me in a discussion on emotional intelligence and family dynamics. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for only $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. All right, so before we get started here, I just want to give a shout out uh, to a lovely um, five-star review that I got on iTunes from Tenacious Deets. Uh, He or she says, my go-to podcast for astrological insights. Uh, They comment how much they enjoy the podcast um, and how helpful helpful it's been um, and how they enjoy the different topics that I feature here. Um, And they also say that my voice is easy on the ears, so I will take that. Uh, So thank you so much to Tenacious Deeds for highly recommending this podcast. I thoroughly appreciate it um, and am very grateful. Uh, So let's get down to this week's Astro Report. Our lunar lady is now in her waning cycle as we move towards a last quarter moon on Friday. We begin the week with her move into the mystical water sign of Pisces, where she will remain until moving into the spirited fire sign of Aries later on Wednesday. She then makes her way to our last quarter moon in Aries in the wee hours of Friday morning, or at least here on the Pacific coast. Um, And most likely some tension is probably going to start to brew around Thursday with that last quarter moon. On Saturday, Luna moves into the stability of the Earth sign of Taurus, where she will remain throughout the weekend. So just a quick heads up, all times are approximations for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you're in Australia or the East, add about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, also known as the connections that planets make, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Uh, And this week, we have yet another grand trine in water. And this time is going to be with our solar light, the sun, who is currently in Cancer. Uh, And that uh, sun is going to be triggering the likes of Jupiter in Scorpio and Neptune in Pisces. 
We also have Mercury meeting that recently gone retrograde Mars over in Aquarius um, in an opposition from Leo. Um, And around the same time, we are going to have a fiery last quarter moon in Aries. So let's dive in. On Monday, we start out with a moon in Pisces, uh, and the moon will sextile Uranus and uh, Saturn as well that day. And so we don't have any specific transits going on, but the bottom line for Monday is with the moon now in a sensitive and mutable sign such as Pisces, uh, today is a good day to go with the flow because if you do, you are likely to have some unexpected opportunities come your way with that sextile to Uranus. So it's a great day to mix that intuitive, imaginative, and emotive vibe with some practical application um, because Saturn is in the mix. Then on Tuesday, we have the moon Stellan Pisces, uh, and she will trine the sun and Jupiter and then conjunct Neptune. Um, and we are also a major transit list here on Tuesday and pretty much in the beginning of this week. Um, and the, so the bottom line for Tuesday is the moon will be the first to activate our grand water trine with the sun, Jupiter, and Neptune. So here we're getting our first taste of that, basically. And this can be a potentially uh, harmonious day uh, where what we are sensing and feeling align with the outside as well as the inner world, especially with that trying to the sun. So go with the flow and use the evening to either rest, create, or get in touch with your spiritual and or dreamy side. On Wednesday, we still have the moon in Pisces, but then she will move to uh, the fiery uh, cardinal sign of Aries. Um, And in that move, uh, there will be a sextile to Pluto. Um, And so we have some aspects that are coming up a little later in the week here, particularly on Thursday uh, and then Friday. So Wednesday, I have a feeling where you're going to feel things start to brew. Um, And so the bottom line for Wednesday is there is a potential for an intense yet productive dream experience that could happen early Wednesday morning. Um, So if so, be sure to write it down, especially since we have that grand water trine happening this week. Um, And so there's a lot of emotional and kind of dreamy fodder to work with. Um, So if you do happen to have that, uh, take note. Uh, The moon will be void, of course, for most of the day, so continue going with the flow and tapping into the creative energy that abounds, Um, especially since this is a void, of course, moon that is uh, more favorable when it's under Pisces. Um, And chances are you will feel something beginning to brew, like I said today, uh, but may not be able to put your finger on what that is yet, especially with that kind of Pisces vibe going on. So just really, you know, kind of go with the flow and feel it out on Wednesday. On Thursday, we now officially have the moon in Aries, um, and the moon will square Saturn, will sextile Mars, and will trine Mercury. And so uh, two notable things happening on Thursday is we have the sun who will be making a trine to Jupiter, who is currently retrograde in Scorpio. Uh, And then we also have Mercury um, now in Leo making an opposition to Mars, uh, who is currently retrograde in Aquarius. Um, So let's break this down a little bit. 
And so first let's talk about the sun trining Jupiter. Um, and so that sun, you know, that lifeline, that vitality, our self, that purpose. Um, a lot of time when we have sun transits, uh, especially since we have a week of um, a grand trine uh, involving the sun, there can certainly be a turning of a page this week where we make some, um, some rapid developments, especially since we are flowing in that trine. And that's what that trine is. It's, it's, flowing. It's sudden. It has a rapid development. All the obstacles are removed and we're going down the river, basically. Um, and so where are we going down the river? Well, we're going to Jupiter, who is currently retrograde in Scorpio. And Jupiter represents the principles of growth or movement or expanding yourself in some way. And because it's retrograde, chances are that a lot of this might be happening more on an internal um, level. Um, and so this is normally a very positive transit with that life-giving energy of the sun flowing nicely with the expansive growth of Jupiter. However, we do have the moon in Aries approaching a last quarter challenge, which of course I'm going to speak about here shortly. And we also have Mercury opposing our recently retrograde Mars on the same day, which I'm also going to talk about shortly here. Um, so what normally would elicit, you know, peace and harmony with others may not be the case this time around. Because uh, remember that Jupiter is known for growing whatever it touches. So being in the fixed water sign of Scorpio um, might make that growth experience a particularly intense one and one that flows rather easily into our conscious awareness. So this is a good day to get some solid insight into how your life looks at this moment, especially since the mind will be able to look at our actions with a bird's eye view uh, right now um, with that opposition going on. And if we are emotionally mature enough to allow such a thing to happen, you know, that's when we're going to uh, get those insights. Um, this is where a little luck can come into the picture to help expand our minds in a positive way, which adjusts our personal philosophies going forward. Um, because Jupiter is the giver of luck, so do not discount it, even if we have to get to the luck through something that might be a little... Um, uh, I won't, don't want to say unlucky, but you know, just a little uh, trying or tense or confrontational in some way. Um, and so then we have that Mercury opposition to Mars, uh, who is retrograde. And so Mercury is that, you know, information collecting, processing, distributing, communications, emails, uh, transactions, such as those types of things. And when we have an opposition, that means we are pitted up against something. There might be a tug of war or someone or something is causing us to make a decision or a choice in some way. And that Mars retrograde, um, and cause Mars, uh, is talking about our focused action, you know, how we take action, where uh, we assert our drive, um, and where we direct, you know, our motivation. Um, and it also represents things as anger and accidents in some way. And especially since we have Mars retrograde right now, um, you know, it's that, that active force is more suited to be worked out on the inside. Um, and so that's where we have to kind of watch these types of transits, um, not to scare you or anything, but it is something that we have to be aware of because that function is working kind of differently than it normally does. Um, and so that anger can either uh, erupt unexpectedly or can be turned on the inside because that's the thing too with Mars retrograde is uh, maybe that anger doesn't get released, but rather it, it, you know, it goes back within. 
Um, so, you know, this is another one of those days to cool your jets on the road or within conversation with others or on the internet. Um, as there's a chance you or those you encounter may be feeling rather combative um, verbally and potentially physically. Because keep in mind, we have that sun trying Jupiter. So, you know, things are flowing and going overboard can certainly happen, especially in a more ego realm. Um, so you may feel the heat of someone else's aggressiveness, or you could be the one delivering that hostility. The key is to be as aware as possible with it. So we don't encounter a riot igniting, uh, you know, basically off a simple off the cuff comment. Um, because those are the types of things that could possibly, uh, um, you know, be ignited in some way. But luckily, it's an opposition and not a square. So perhaps there's some, you know, saving grace there. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't speak your mind. Just do your best to pause and find some tact to do so, which is not always easy with Mercury in Leo. Um, so, you know, on a day like today, uh, like I'm saying, it's not always easy, and especially with the moon in Aries right now too, um, which can make us more riled up and enthusiastic and ready to, you know, chomping at the bit in some way. Uh, so you can take this as you have been warned. <laughs> um, and with the political and social tensions going on, some of this fodder may come from that arena, uh, perhaps with new developments that have arisen or decisions that were made. Um, and the media, as we well know, could have a field day with it all. So be aware that some developments Developments can come out on that front. Uh, so, words of the wise. This is a you know um, some things can come out of the blue that can you know get our get us riled up in some way. Um, and it is a potentially accident-inducing period. So just you know proceed enlightened and take your time um, and watch you know what you encounter, especially with other people. Um, and if anger does come up at this time, this is actually a very fruitful subject for that Mars retrograde period. So, you know, if something gets your goat or you're feeling riled up or you take it within or old things come up to bother you, like you're like, I thought I was over this, you know, take the time to, um, take that in and allow it rather to fester, uh, not to fester, but to, you know, work through whatever it is that comes up. And so the bottom line for Thursday is um, that last quarter moon energy in Aries is brewing today. Uh, and the day might not start off on the right foot with that square to Saturn earlier in the morning. Um, and so this day and the days surrounding, um, it may be best to take it with stride, whatever it is that comes your way, um, especially with that Mars that is now retrograde. There is an element of growth here, though, um, yet also of disruption. So if crisis arises, attempt to process internally rather than externally. Um, and, you know, be your own source of nurturing, especially with that moon in Aries. And so on Friday, we have that last quarter moon I'm talking about, and um, we're still in Aries, and we'll be there all day, at least here on the Pacific coast, uh, and that moon will square the sun, which is what gives us our last quarter, and then we'll also square Pluto. And so since last quarter happened so early in the morning, that's why I'm definitely saying that it's probably going to come on more on Thursday, especially Thursday night, um, but it's going to happen at 14 degrees of of Aries. And, you know, last quarter moons, because we're in the waning cycle um, and it's a square, you know, we have that frustration or that action or that tension that rubs us um, in a certain way. Uh, it's known as the crisis of consciousness because we are propelled into action or having to deal with something that, um, you know, comes our way. Uh, 
But the, the trick is to do it on a more internal level uh, rather than acting out. So definitely keep that on in, you know, keep that in your mind. <laughs> um, and it could be particularly strong, uh, you know, because we are talking about a cardinal sign here that initiates or, or changes or, you know, is impulsive and gets going. Um, and it's particularly strong if we think about how Aries is usually associated with crisis to begin with or being able to jump into crisis or, you know, finding crisis to deal with. Um, so, you know, chances are we're going to be, we have to be sensitive to what it is we're jumping towards. Um, because uh, whatever is seemingly, uh, you know, dire or a situation that arises, you know, uh, we're going to be on call in a way. Um, so be conscious of what it is that kind of pops into your awareness because um, chances are we're going to be jumping towards it rather than away from it. Um, so we have to be a little conscious of what it is that we jump into, especially emotionally. So keep in mind, though, this is not necessarily a time to take act- outward action, as I'm, you know, just spoke of, especially since this, you know, the moon's ruler, if we're talking about a last quarter moon in Aries, Aries is ruled by Mars, which Mars is now retrograde. Mars just had an opposition with Mercury. Um, you know, there's so there's some tension that can come around this uh, last quarter moon uh, based on these placements. Uh, so rather than fighting, you know, your own inner battle, uh, you, you know, or Okay, so you might want to you might have to fight that inner battle, uh, and it's probably going to be an emotional one in some way. So you know, move away from the outward action and and fight it from the inside. Uh, but don't take yourself down. See how you can work through the crisis and move through it. Um, and, you know, because Aries is known for its impulse to change. And hopefully with Mars in that air sign of Aquarius, if we can pause just long enough to do it, um, you know, to take the time to integrate what, you know, what it is we're feeling, uh, we may be able to take action on how we feel via logic and reason, more of those air qualities, uh, and get that bigger picture view rather than, you know, jumping at, you know, whatever comes our way or chomping at the bit like Aries might do. So how can we integrate those two signs together? Uh, Because chances are we're likely to feel a little headstrong. So in the heat of the moment, you know, try to just cool those jets a bit before you jump into that fire. That's hot. Um, So this is likely to be felt on both Thursday and Friday. So keep that in mind, particularly Thursday evening. And so the bottom line for Friday is there is a fire under the belt today and chances are people will be lit up. So pick that low hanging fruit and tackle whatever is before you with courage and confidence. Um, Intense emotional material may come up to challenge you in some way. So, uh, and it could be in that potentially in that social realm or the home life. Um, So if something happens, you know, rise to the call and take action to push through while also learning about your own strength along the way. And then on Saturday, we have the moon still in Aries, but we'll move to Taurus rather early in the morning, especially here on the Pacific coast. Uh, And the moon will trine Venus, conjunct Uranus, trine Saturn, and then square Mars. Um, And so we don't have a particular aspect going on on Saturday, but we are, you know, still separating from what I just spoke of. And we also have the sun about to try Neptune, which will be tomorrow and Sunday, which I'll speak about here uh, in in a second. Um, so the bottom line for Saturday is 
Our lunar lady moves from the fiery movement of Aries energy into the stability of Taurus earth vibes early on in the day. Some unexpected uh, emotional material may push us out of our comfort zones early on, you know, especially as that moon conjuncts Uranus. Uh, Yet if we proceed in a practical and calculated manner and accept the duties before us, things will go smoothly. And that's where that trying to Saturn comes in. So watch for that square to Mars later in the day when emotions may get obstinate and the potential for repressed anger may present itself. So if irritated, look to the cause to get some key insights into some potential Mars retrograde material to work with. Then on Sunday, we have that moon in Taurus still, and the moon will square Mercury, oppose Jupiter, sextile Neptune and the sun, and then trine Pluto. Um, so busy day. We got a lot of lunar energy uh, going on in the air. Just so you know, you'll probably be feeling all over the place. <laughs> um, and so we do have the sun trining Neptune, uh, who is currently retrograde in Pisces right now. Um, and so this is that last stop on our grand trine that I was speaking of for this week. And so once we have, again, we have that solar principle, the sun, you know, that life, that vitality, uh, that turning of the page, that sense of self and, you know, those uh ego insights or, you know, putting a spotlight into that area. Um, we once again have the trine, that flowing uh, rapid development. Uh, and then Neptune, we have that uh, spiritual matters coming up um, where we're inspired or the imagination's kicked up in somewhere. We're working through um, issues of ideals uh, and possibly uh, confusion in some way or, or loss. Um, and so, and it's so funny cause you know, the idea of the trine is, remo- you know, rapid development that is the removal of all obstacles. And Neptune is also associated with removal of, of boundaries, which boundaries can create obstacles, um, in some way. So the, there's just an added flow, especially since everything's water sign here, I, you know, really floating down the river today. <laughs> um, so basically now that the sun meets the last player in our water grand trine, you know, this will be the last personal planet to trigger this water trine via Jupiter and Neptune. Uh, first, we had Venus who rolled in uh, to create this trine on June 1st and 2nd. Then we had Mercury trigger this trine on June 19th and 20th. And now the sun wraps it up here um, in the first week of July. So basically, this trine has been activated first by Venus, um, that, that relationship opening energy, that uh, desire energy. Then it was co- it was contacted by Mercury. You know, it, it deals with us integrating it and processing it, processing it on a thought level. And now the sun comes in to kind of light it up and fully, you know, integrate and understand. Um, and so it's I love it. It's like a beautiful pattern that we have just been trining all through <laughs> June and early early July here. Um, and so with the sun meeting Neptune, there can be a a flowing spiritual element to this weekend that allows us to get in touch with our inner idealism, our personal dreams, and whether or not we are aligned with our spiritual path. Romance can certainly be in the air, and we may uh, likely be looking at what's around us and possibly through some emotionally tinged rose-colored glasses, so be aware of that. Everything's going to be a little dreamy on Sunday. Um, And this could easily be a day where we will sacrifice our own agenda to aid others, which is a nice thing to do, of course. Um, Just make sure you are helping someone who truly needs it rather than being taken advantage of or being... um, by an overly dependent person. 
Um, you can expect your emotions and sensory self to be on point today. So listen to whatever intuition or gut feelings come in as they can certainly be your guide right now. So the bottom line for Sunday is, uh, you know, we got a lot of lunar energy in the air and it can feel as if we have, a, you know, a few days packed into one, at least emotionally. <laughs> um, there's an omnipresent energy in the air today, which may present some intuitive material that we can uh, incorporate uh, practically into our lives. Look to this day to provide an opportunity into understanding your life's spiritual direction and where to flow to next. Um, and so to wrap it up here, you know, it seems like this week certainly has a spiritually oriented vibe to it as we are receiving solar information on our spiritual path and where we are to stretch and grow next. It may take a little faith to do so, though. So keep that in mind. Just go with the flow, especially with that water grand trine. Um, the most challenging days will be midweek when we encounter the delicate line of speaking your truth versus putting your foot in your mouth <laughs> and how to deal with internal crisis in a courageous yet nurturing sort of way. So let's look at the cards um, as they add a whole nother little dimension to uh, what I spoke of earlier. And so this week I drew the nine of swords as the focus and the Page of Swords as the grounding. Um, and with that Swords energy, I have a feeling we are tapping into that Mercury-Mars uh, retrograde opposition here. Um, and so with the Nine of Swords as the focus, there may be some worry on our minds this week, or we may feel overwhelmed with certain circumstances in our lives. It's possible to feel burdened by our thoughts, uh, regretting the past in some way, obsessing over sorrows, or feeling just plain vulnerable. It's key to remember that the darkest times are just before the dawn. So if you are fretting this week, know that you are most likely on the edge of a breakthrough, but you have to go within first and take the time to refocus your mind and the goals you have for yourself. And then with the Page of Swords card as our grounding, um, a great way to combat some of that worry that may be coming from the Nine of Swords is to take a page out of the Pages book. See what I did there? <laughs> and research the facts of your situation and operate with logic and foresight. There may be some challenges this week, but that doesn't mean you can't rise to the occasion. It's key to be as honest as possible, yet do so in a tactful way. Communicate what's on your mind and stay vigilant if you have to deal with any tests or challenges. Mental courage is needed here, so stand up for yourself if, you know, if necessary, and do so from a place of integrity and truth. We are all learning here, so have patience and put your best and most objective foot forward. Last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the squirrel. The squirrel's here to tell us that it is time to prepare and get ready for big changes in our lives. Seems rather appropriate for a week when the sun trines Jupiter. Uh, and we have eclipse season coming up very closely or very shortly here. Um, and change usually equals growth, yet it's not necessarily the easiest of experiences to navigate through. Let's take a lesson out of the squirrel's book because if we know that change is coming, we can take itty-bitty steps each day to make sure we are preparing ourselves in the best way possible for what lies ahead. How did you feel when I said that big changes are coming? Was there anticipation or dread? 
If it was the latter, this could be an excellent time to look into your attitude on change and what beliefs you hold around movement in life. There is no need to worry as it does not help really. Just do, you know, we're talking that nine of swords, no need to worry. Uh, Just do what you can now to get a sense of where you are going and what you can do or who you can reach out to that will help support that transition. Now, if you would like to go further uh, with the energy of the week and how that will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. Whether you are just starting out on your tarot journey or you are a seasoned expert, uh, my weekly spread may be of immense help to get that personalized overview that you may be looking for. Um, and every Sunday, I release it with a short video as you know, and a picture of the custom spread. Um, and I encourage you to share those cards and questions if you have them. Um, I also have crystals that I highlight and an inspirational quote that is aligned with the energy that we are working with. And so lastly, last week, the topic was working within limitation with that full moon with Saturn and, you know, uh, getting, getting serious there. And so this week coming up, we're going to be working on speaking your truth with the transits of this week. So if you want to find out more, you can check out a sample spread and, uh, you know, find out all my other offerings that I have on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I'd like to welcome my special guest this week, Toby Geis. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am excited too, because Toby is a new friend of mine. We actually met not too long ago, a few weeks ago, when I was doing an event um, for a festival called Ship in the Woods, uh, where a bunch of ladies got together to provide a tent of, um, an energetic tent (laughs) of uh, Reiki practitioners. And then myself, I was out there doing tarot. So uh, that's how I met Toby. Um, So Toby, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, you know, what you're into what you do. Sure. Um, So uh, geographically, I'm from the Midwest. I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I, and then I moved to Chicago right after college, which was where my real life began. (laughs) (laughs) Um, About 15 years ago, I got involved in personal growth through an organization called the Wright Foundation in Chicago. And it opened my eyes and changed my life. Mm. Um, I went on my first weekend, um, a women's week retreat, August of 2004, Mm. I believe. And really it just opened my eyes to a world that I had never experienced before of like self-awareness and relationships. And we did breath work. We did a ton of things on that weekend where it just kind of blew my mind and everything was changed from then on. Like I I did not look back and I dove deep into the world of personal development and self-awareness. And that's where it started. I was involved with that organization for 11 years, um, doing, um, group work. I learned to facilitate. I got trained as a coach. Um, I did laboratory learning, which is kind of like, um, where it's kind of like group therapy. There was like a group of 10 people. It was called a transformation lab. So we used assignments to change our life, basically like one baby step at a time. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so I was involved in that group for a long time. And then 
I moved to San Diego about five years ago and got involved in 12 step recovery for an addiction. Mm. You know, and after doing all of this personal growth work, peeling back the layers, chasing my demons, I thought I knew myself so well. And I was in complete denial that I had an eating disorder that had plagued me my entire life. Mm. Um, the denial runs deep in my family system. That's a little foreshadowing for later. <laughs> But it's true. It was. It kind of blows my mind how much in denial I was, and and really by divine intervention, I was delivered to San Diego to heal because I never would have left Chicago, and there's no way I would have been able to heal in Chicago. So I got to San Diego, and I immediately got into twelve step, and um, where I used to flinch at the word God, <laughs> I just mm-hmm. had to put that aside if I was going to get better. So. That really began my path into spirituality. Although all the stuff that I had been doing was spiritual, but I had such a a negative perspective growing up in a Catholic house that I just couldn't even think about spirituality and religion as separate. So I didn't go there. And then I got to San Diego and my world opened up again. Mm. And uh, the spiritual path is... It's so funny because now my spirituality is my guiding light. It is my number one priority in my life. And it is who I am meant to be is I am a spiritual being, um, as we all are. But it is my driving force and my part of my life, big piece of my life mission. Yeah. And I was in denial about it for so long. So, um, yeah, everything. And then, you know, I'm not super involved in 12 step anymore, but um, my life has opened up again in the past like year and a half with... Um, this kind of new direction that I call woo-woo spirituality. There's like 12-step spirituality and then there's woo-woo spirituality, which is you know, more of what we're talking about, which is what I'm very into, which is the healing arts and crystals and astrology and um, mediums and you know, clairvoyance. And I just am obsessed with this world. Oh, I love <laughs> I'm it. I'm so obsessed with this world. I'm so excited that you invited me here. So, <laughs> well, it speaks to your chart. Uh, for those <laughs> listening that know a little bit about astrology, Toby is a Sagittarius sun and she's got a Pisces moon, which is so perfect. The two of those, though, if you're even talking about questioning kind of that spiritual path or being in denial of it and being put off by, you know, such things as the word God, you know, in that traditional, you know, Catholic sense that you're talking about, uh, that really speaks to Sagittarius makeup, uh, Pisces makeup. And, you know, because both signs, even though one's, um, one's fire, one's water, they're both very spiritual uh, oriented signs in a way uh, that look for the larger meanings of life. Um, and a lot of times those signs can be closed off to them actually. And it takes those openings to come in and, and, you know, reassign the path in a way. Cause they're both mutable signs too, which means there's a lot of transition in life and moving into new areas um, and experiencing new things. Um, so I find it actually perfect as you're ta- <laughs> telling your story. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm, yeah, chart, chart, chart. Um, and, and it's, all it. it's all in the you stars. You know, we think that we're, we're creating our lives, but really it's like, it's kind of preset in a way. I mean, we do have our own will, yeah. you know, human will and free, free will. 
but <laughs> yes, but at <laughs> from the same from a time, perspective, yes. the stars tell it all. Right? Exactly. And that's funny. And I love that. And that's why I love having Toby here today because Toby doesn't know a whole lot about <laughs> the astrology world. You know, we just started talking about it when we met and she's like, tell me more. What do you mean? How does this work? You know, I love that Sagittarius <laughs> curiosity. Like I must know more, 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 more. Um, but I love the openness to it. So here we are um, meeting each other, talking on same principles but in different approaches. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so interesting. Um, and so today our topic at hand is emotional intelligence and family dynamics. And yes. I have to give it up to Toby for this one uh, because I I knew I wanted to have her on the podcast and I didn't quite know what the topic would be. Um, and so I was like, what are you passionate about? And she, oh my goodness, the passion came out. <laughs> um, and so I'm excited to have this topic here today because we are in cancer season um, and cancer is the sign uh, that we most associate with family um, and having that family dynamic um, that, wa- that water sign, that nurturing principle. Um, and so when we're in cancer season, a lot of times family things can come up or the idea of our ancestry and where we come from, you know, this very foundational material. Um, and what then in turn, this foundation basically uh, forms our own foundation and our own emotional foundation. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about uh, here today. And so, okay, so... Toby, let's talk about the family dynamic okay. and how upbringing affects the emotional foundation. Because I know you're passionate about this type of stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, where to start? Not well, fun. by the time we are about four or five years old, our belief system about the world is set in place. So that's obviously we are by that age. We learn that from our, our parents, our siblings mostly, you know, from our, from our family and, you know, the, the theta waves, our brains are in theta waves, uh, between the ages of roughly two and five years old. And that's when we are most, um, susceptible to things that people tell us that we believe anything. It's like, you know, when you tell a kid, if you go outside when it's cold, you're going to catch a cold, you know, and then they, they take it very literally. You tell a child anything, they take it very literally. And this is how we're wired. We are, we are programmed beings, meat robots, if you will. <laughs> That's one of my favorite terms, but it's so elegant. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we are. We, we are, our ideas about the world are ingrained in us from our family system from a very young age. And then we you know, strengthen that and go throughout the world believing these things. And, and one example is... Um, you know, one person might think that the world is an abundant place, that everybody is on their side. And another might think that the world is out to get them and that people are not to be trusted and everything they do, you know, if they have to watch their back or they're going to fail. And it's, it's based on how we're brought up. Are you, are you brought up with a family that's very nurturing and loving? Or are you brought up with, you know, a lot of issues and a lot of problems? And that really plays into who we are as adults and how we do relationships, how we, we do work, how we do the world, how we, how we interact in every way. Yeah. Well, and that makes a lot of sense if we, if I'm going to liken it to astrology and the moon placement, because a moon and which rules cancer, and we're talking about this family dynamic, the moon is how we respond to things. 
that nurturing impulse. And so the moon is most prevalent in our early time of life, like you are saying, where we're so impressionable because that's another facet of the moon is that impression. Mm-hmm. Where um, And same with cancer energy. It's very impressionable and it can be swayed by the dynamic that it is uh, put up against. And when we are young, obviously, we don't have the ability to quite think for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We are just taking in what we encounter. Um, so I think that it speaks a lot to the, the moon sign, if I want to go to astrology, um, in my own personal experience. Because I know, I, I think we both share in uh, prior upbringing that might have, um, I don't want to say hindered, but didn't give that like more optimistic uh approach to life or what, uh, you know, you might encounter on the outside world. Am I right about that, Toby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you, I mean, what was, we'll both share, but what was your early, what would you say that's the significant part of your early uh, nurturing experience or what you, uh, what impressionable information that you took in that form formulated how you approach life and maybe how you've had to change things due to that conditioning. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I've been studying um, the chakra system recently. So there's a lot that plays into this that starts in the womb with mm-hmm. your mother and how how your mother is. And my mother, I just realized I'm not going to be sharing this podcast on social media. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> my mom will listen to it. <laughs> um So my mom um, is an anxious person. She's a nervous Nelly and she worries about everything and she moves very fast and frantically. Mm. And I used to be like this a lot. I have calmed down tremendously in the past several years. Um, But growing up, like I, I realized that like, I'm afraid of everything. I was afraid of everything. Although I have this other side to me that doesn't show it. Just like my mom, like I, I learned so much from her. Like I do not show my fear. I push through things. Uh, you know, I'm, um, I'm strong, I'm stoic. And that also comes from, you know, the family system is that talking about emotions, that emotions were not allowed in my family. Mm. And that was never verbally spoken, but the way it was communicated was if, if I were to cry, my mom would, would say, stop crying, stop crying. Cause she was very uncomfortable with it. And you didn't ever, you never saw anybody in my family shed tears. So to me, that was a message that I had to do it in private. So I spent a lot of my middle school and teenage years crying myself to sleep every night with the music on and the door shut and a towel under the door so nobody could hear me mm. because it was so not okay. Anger was totally okay in my family, whether it was direct anger or passive aggressive anger. So that's something I'm very comfortable with um, in ex- expressing that fiery side of me and conflict. I'm very yeah. okay with conflict. But it, you know, the only time that you could cry was if somebody died. So, um, which is very counterintuitive to our Pisces moon here, mm-hmm. which we're talking about a water moon and yeah. Pisces is like one of the most easily able to cry signs, mm-hmm. not just for your own troubles, but for the troubles of the world. Yes. You know, there's just something that comes out and is emoted from this very deep place. Um, and it's not always something you can put your finger on either. And so to have that restriction upon you, I could see how that would 
Oh. You know, send a very mixed signal. I had a first lot of, of mixed messages. Yeah. yeah, I remember writing a poem in when I was in high school that said, "It is a crime to feel too much," because mm. and now I've learned as an adult that I'm an empath, which I don't fit the ro- the, the role of a normal empath because usually they're more introverted and I'm extremely extroverted. But I feel everything. I feel everything, and so yeah, growing up, it was like. I'm having all these feelings and I'm called a drama queen by everybody, which told me that my feelings were not okay. okay yeah. So I would hold everything in until I would explode. So of course it was dramatic. Yeah. You know, and we were taught in this society that our feelings are not okay. I may be going off on a tangent. So if I am, bring me back. Cause I don't even know if I, if <laughs> no, I answered your original question. A, you know, you, but, you, you have. Okay. <laughs> um, so emotions. And this speaks to what I'm um, going to be talking about in my workshop that's coming up in a couple of weeks um, about emotional intelligence. But in this society, we're, we're taught that our emotions are not okay, that it's that we are drama queens, that it's not okay to express that we're supposed to be stoic. So in a way, my family system was a good rep- representation of society at large. Yeah. But that's so crazy because we're humans and all humans were given the same emotions. So why would we be given these things, blessed with these things, if we are not meant to express them? Yeah. And that's, that's a very vital and important uh, way of looking at it because it, it does speak to our society because, I mean, obviously, if we're going to go way back and we think about America, we stem from Puritan values. Like, if we really think about it, you know, and that has gotten bastardized over, over time to have this rigid type of, uh, keep your, keep your cool, always be on top of things, you know, go out and work and do your, you know, like basically we're taught that it's not okay to be genuine and authentic. Yeah. Well, there you go. (laughs) Which also, so back to the family system, I have always wondered where I came from and how I came from this family. (laughs) It didn't, it never made sense to me because my family, uh, Midwest, don't talk about anything. Just don't talk about it. Do not talk about the pink elephant in the room. So we would sit at the dinner table like in silence and it would make me crazy. And I was the black sheep because I have to say everything. I have to talk about everything. I have to get it out. And I'm sure this is in my chart. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere very deep or maybe not. I live in the throat chakra, which yeah. is expression and truth and Oh man, it just was so not okay in my family. Actually, to the fact, to the point where now as an adult, my mom <laughs> will not, does not like being alone in the same room with me because she lives in a very superficial level because she's afraid of anything of substance yeah, going or there, realness, yeah. right? And that's all I want to talk about yeah. is the real stuff. Like, I can't stand small talk. Like, Show me your soul and let's start there. Yeah. <laughs> the superficiality, it gets to you. Uh, I well, I mean, I feel you. Yeah, I think we are both um, uh, black sheep products <laughs> in, in many ways. And I grew up in a family that, um, I mean, granted, I grew up in Florida, but my whole family was from the Midwest. Like my, I grew up with my mother's side and that was, they were all from uh, Wisconsin. Uh, my dad's side is from Indiana, so oh, really? if you want to know that, yeah. but I didn't grow up with that side, uh, which would have been a whole other dynamic, but I was, <laughs> I was blessed to be with my mother's side, which I think was destined in a way for me, because we are talking about conditioning here, and this mm-hmm. is, you know... In, in, 
we have to work out of this conditioning, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. learning about, you know, how to work with that emotional intelligence and, uh, learning, you know, a new approach. But for me, it was the same situation where I come from a family, which there, you know, you don't show emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't that I was trying to, because I was born with a Capricorn moon. So if anything, I was already kind of wired to not show those types of things. Or if I did, they would be breaking point emotions where it would get like temper tantrum emotions where I would just lose my shit because of control issues. If I didn't get what I wanted, I would, I would go the other way and be able to, you know, just freak out and confuse people around me and want, and they didn't want to deal with that because Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother thing of emotion. Um, you know, not crying because I'm sad or anything, but crying because I'm angry and I want to control the situation Mm -hmm. and I can outlast you basically until you give me what I want. Interesting. (laughs) So that is actually a form of manipulation. Oh, oh, absolutely. So (laughs) that's another reason that when we have, um, a relationship like an unclear relationship uh-huh. with our emotions, then we do things like that. And that's where emotions tend to get a bad rap in society. You know, that, that women who cry too much are trying to get, get something, yeah. or, you know, they're trying to get somebody to take care of them or whatever the belief system is. That's not true. But when we are not taught to express our feelings and to be seen accurately for those feelings, then we, we take on behaviors like this. We explode. We cry when we're actually angry because we don't know how to use our anger. Mm-hmm. Or when we're not getting our way and we don't know how to deal with somebody directly, we use our emotions in this way because it's, we know it's going to put the other person off. Or you know, when a baby cries in the room, the baby is the most powerful person in that room because everybody will pay attention. Just like if there's a kid having a tantrum, that child is the most powerful person in the room. So yeah. they will most likely get their way because you have to deal with the screaming, right? <laughs> Which is interesting. And I, I wish I had your mother's chart because I, when, I think, <laughs> when I think about my mom and um, her moon placement versus my moon placement, because my, mo- uh, my mom has a moon in Gemini. So our, our moons are what is known as being an aversion to one another with their blind spots. So our reactions to each other are not compatible whatsoever. And so... That's a whole nother di- dimension to the to the whole thing, um, and you know. And it, but I found it interesting, Toby, because here uh, another piece of uh, Toby's astrological puzzle is having a Cancer rising, and I'm a Cancer Sun. And anybody that has can't strong Cancer energy or a lot of planets, maybe in the fourth house, uh, we are dealing with family dynamics. Mm. We are dealing with family conditioning. That is part of what it is we're here to work through or work within or share with others. So much sense. Um, Because it's very important to us um, in a way that's not always direct because it's more about it has inflicted itself upon us to create who we are today. And that's how we understand ourselves um, to some extent. So... There you go. There's another piece of that cancer puzzle there. I love it when astrology shows me exactly (laughs) what my path has been in life. It's like, oh God, it really all is in the stars. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. That's what my life has been. It's been so much of my life path has been about my mom and my sordid, painful, tumultuous relationship with my mother and how she treated me. So I'm going to go into a little bit of the, um, the, the eating disorder. 
you know, when I was nine years old, my mom put me on my first diet and my mom, both my parents have always been thin, but my mom has, you know, eating disorders are not always, um, physical manifestations. They live in the mind. It is, um, it is a mental disorder, disease, mm-hmm. um, and, and emotional. And she has never dealt with it. But so she projected all of her own self-loathing onto me from a very young age. And so that was at nine is when I went on my first diet and she would call me names. And um, it just, I had a very distorted um, view of myself yeah. um, that, has, that has cleared up very recently in the past um, couple of years that I'm actually starting to see myself for, for who I am, that I'm peeling back the layers and becoming really who I am. But it's been a lifetime of healing from this experience. Um, but, you know, if you believe in, in that as souls, we all choose our families, we choose our issues, we choose the path that this is, this is actually, I, I'm seeing very clearly how there's so many different people in my family system who have addictions and nobody is awake to it. Nobody will even admit to it. And I see it. I completely see it. And I see that this is part of my lineage and that, that it is for me to end it. The breaking end the pattern. End, break the pattern, end that, that addiction and pain. And suffering in my lineage, and that's what we, that's what in my in uh, it wasn't last week, two weeks ago. I had a DD on, um, and we were talking about this exact thing, breaking mm. that ancestral pattern, yes, uh, and becoming aware enough uh, to see like what you're saying. I see it. I cannot like I can't close my eyes to it. Right. There, it's it's open, and then that's where that responsibility comes in, and that's where like you're saying, well, how we why we pick the situations that we are born into and those conditions to begin with, mm-hmm. because we are those bringers to help break that pattern in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. and so it's just part of the work <laughs> in, in a way, um, and it, it can seem like a lot when it's happening because obviously you don't choose these things, and you you know if you're not aware, like Toby and I are talking about, like, and we're not all, none of us are aware from the get go. Like it mm. takes experiences in life and to become a certain age to where, um, like you said, you had to go through this denial experience uh, in, into that twelve step program before you even like woke up to you're like, oh. Okay. Yeah. I, now I see clearly. Now I see this whole different approach. And I had a similar type of awakening experience um, on on a different plane. But I mean, for me, I mean, I can't even imagine having to be picked on for like dietary stuff or like be suggested that you're not okay physically or that you have to do something about yeah, it or from something. my mother. Oh, and that like, yes. I didn't belong at school. I would get made fun of at school and then I would come home and not belong at home. So I've really spent you know, the better part of my adult life working on belonging Mm. and loving myself and and healing that. And, you know, and I, I am now at a place where I have so much compassion for my mother and I just don't want her to suffer anymore. I feel the same way because I, the thing is, is that I was provided for, Mm. I came, I was brought up as an only child in a single parent household Mm. that she did what she had to, to put dinner on the table. Um, and obviously she went through some heartache due to the situation and why we were alone in the first place. Um, and of course I was her best friend. Mm. 
So like you're saying that displace are, you know, kind of putting off some of the, um, uh, the frustrations in life of what she'd been through before. Like I, I can't even tell you how many times that my dad was probably a bad person, even though I didn't know this person, you know, I'm getting this, you know, and since then that's all been resolved because I've talked to him and all that. But these are the types of things that as an impressionable young child, you take them on. It's a lot for a kid to carry. It's a lot. And I didn't even realize I was carrying it at the time because I mean, I have a really strong chart makeup. You have the Capricorn moon. I have the sun moon opposition, square Pluto, Scorpio rising for people who know what that is. That can, you can deal with some shit basically. But it's little things actually that I look back on that seemingly were the most problematic later in life, such as something as simple as this. Having having a lot of Leo planets and having a Neptune trine in, Neptune likes to dream, right? I like to dream. I had big plans. I always wanted to buy my mom a beach house. Like I'd be like, mom, I'm going to buy you a beach house one day. It's going to be fabulous. And her response rather than, yeah, I love that beach house would be good luck with that. Oh, or, so whenever I'd want to do something or there'd be that big dream or that inclination, it'd always be a touch of sarcasm with a, yeah, right, type of thing. And so, I mean, even back then she would say that and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to show you, you know, like I would not succumb to it. But what I realized is that it created a subconscious pattern mm. over time that even when I'd have these big ideas or these goals, you know, I, it, it chipped away at my self-esteem enough to where I really didn't think that I could fulfill those. Mm. Um, and that might be a way for us to kind of segue into the subconscious mm. and those little things that come about. Um, I mean, what do you think about that? Or do you have any type of similar type of like, Oh yeah. I fear of dreaded fear of failure dreaded fear uh, and and a fear of being alone for the rest of my life and i you know battle with i'm too much and i'm not good enough you know but these are all the things that we become aware of these are the patterns of belief systems that we we become aware of when we wake up and start doing our work and start to gain some of that self awareness and peel back the layers but until then it's how we operate in the world and i had this thing where i was always working so hard to be the best because I also had this belief that I'm if I'm not the best, I'm the worst. Mm. You know, I'm either the shit or a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> but no humil- gray area. <laughs> no gray area, which is also an addict mindset. But humility is what lies in between. Yeah. And so until we become aware of these belief systems, we just operate in the world like this. So I would push, push, push and try to you know, be the best and believed that if I wasn't working my butt off, then I didn't exist, that I wouldn't get any love or positive attention because I always had to, you know, do everything that I could to try to earn my mother's love. And I thought that if I lost weight, that I would earn her love. And then I would do all these crazy things to my body and starve myself. And even when I did, it still didn't work. So it was like, you know, I would strive, 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 but then have this belief system like, oh, it's never going to work anyway. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm going to fail anyway. Yeah, so there was that subconscious underlying belief self-defeating, that, yeah. Yeah, that would still and that I that's kind of the hardest that's the hardest part and it's, I mean something that we all wrestle with including myself every day as I as you say, we become aware of these things and that's where the work begins. 
but that still lives underneath. And right. It's still that beast that lies it, under the bed. <laughs> it still is. And I, and I still have it going on that this one of my core issues or my, my single core issue is unworthiness that mm. I'm not enough and I'm too much, which is the other side of it. So I find myself in groups, like I'm the kid who in school always raised my hand first and knew the answer and wanted to go first. And like, and I still am like that. I'm still that five or six year old kid in kindergarten. (laughs) (laughs) I was just in a group last week and I'm, I find myself like, I always want to raise my hand first, but I always hold myself back and I will go second. I will not go first because I think I'm too much. Interesting. And so I w- I raised my hand and I said, I'm going to go first because I'm working on breaking this. And if I'm too much, then, and somebody's bothered by it. Well, so what? Yeah. So what? This is what feels true and genuine and real for me. So it is a uh, constant learning and growing. And these issues... I don't know if they ever completely go away. I don't want to, you know, sound like there's no hope, but because we do grow from these things, but it's like, we'll come back to it at a higher level. Like, yes. It'll, it will, it'll, it'll, it'll come back and it's like, oh, here's that thing again that I thought that I beat. I thought I was over this, but oh, this is still a piece of me. This is still a part of me. that's just manifesting in a different way. Yeah. Well, and I, that's super interesting too. And I'm going to throw in some astro jargon real quick for people that are listening that are more astro related. Uh, Kelly Surtees has this theory with planets as we have uh, planetary aspects in our chart, you know, when a planet talks to another planet. Uh, and if the faster moving planet has, uh, is an aspect to another planet and has already passed it, it's kind of something that we deal with early on in life. And, but then we can kind of like, we've, we've dealt with that. But if we have a planet that's applying uh, a, a faster planet that's applying to a slower planet. Those are the issues that we are working on our whole life. It's a constant moving towards whatever this issue is. Mm. Um, and I just want to throw that in there because it made me think of that. And But this, these are one of those... Re- it's another example of why we have this work to do mm-hmm. and how, like you're saying, there's a layer upon a layer upon a layer and we are always rising up, but we still have to conquer another you know, level of it or another facet of it in some way. For me, this is the joy of life. Ah. <laughs> I love this. I, I love digging in and seeing new things about myself and, and it's painful, but then, you know, you learn to enjoy, I don't know if I enjoy the pain necessarily, but I have a new perspective that when I'm going through something, I feel grateful because I know there's going to be transformation out of it. I know I'm going to, that I'm opening something up within me, that something is going to be different about me in my perspective. You know, in earlier this year, in February, March, um, I became awakened to some new patterns and behaviors as it dealt with men and dating. And, (laughs) oh, um, I'm just deciding how far in depth to go. But I, I, um, well, I want to kind of talk about how, you know, to change some of these things. So I have this realization about how I, you know, kind of what I was talking about that this belief that I'm too much, Mm -hmm. I'm either too much or I'm not enough. And those issues come up really strongly when it, when it comes to men and dating. And I will find myself attracted to somebody that I I place them on a pedestal and I think this person is better than me for whatever reason. And I am less than, and this has all been unconscious until very recently. Um, and, and then when I get around that person, I dim my light 
Mm. I contain myself because I don't want to be too much. And I think that I'm supposed to be just like them. And I don't value them for their gifts and their differences and their uniqueness. And I'm not valuing myself for that uniqueness either. And that I think that they're only going to like me if I'm like them. So, and I find myself attracted to introverts, which is crazy making (laughs) because I am a complete extrovert. Like the dictionary definition of an extrovert is me. So it's kind of, it was, it was maddening and I was driving myself crazy. And I was like, I feel awful. What is going on in my brain? And I started kind of digging in and looking at that. Why was I talking about this? Well, you had an enlightenment with a, a, a new pattern yes. that, uh, back yeah. in February, March. And- yes. So, oh, so how I changed that is well, a process of, of meditation. And then every time that this person and that these thoughts would come into my head, I would say, Nope, I'm not, you don't get any space in my head. Poof, you're gone. Poof, you're gone. And diligently I was doing that because through meditation, I've become very aware of my thoughts in the monkey mind and I can hear it. And I realize that's not the brain that wants to serve me. I need to call in the higher self. I don't have to listen to the monkey mind. So after three days, it was gone. The pain, the obsession with this person was gone. And then from there, I'm like, I still have a lot of work to do in my relationship with men and dating and being able to attract the high quality partner that I, that I actually deserve and not you know, date people who don't match me yeah. and don't honor my gifts and aren't going to take me to the next level. Yeah. Um, so, and where you were settling to dim your light, right? For some of these exactly of people that you were encountering, exactly, exactly. So, every time we do a behavior that's different, anytime we do something different, we're creating a new neural pathway in our brains. Neural pathways are the actual physical grooves in your brain. So, when you're trying to break a behavior, um, say it's smoking. Um, and every time you smoke, you're deepening that groove in your brain, like the Mississippi river, it goes really deep. But then every time you do something different, like I really want a cigarette, but I'm not going to have a cigarette. You're creating a new neural pathway in your brain. And then you do that again and again and again, and it strengthens. And then, and then the one that wants to smoke heals, it closes up. Mm -hmm. And so that's like the physical pattern that happens in our neurobiology, if you will. And our brains are plastic. We have neuroplasticity where our brains can change. We can change ourselves. So I did this with dating and there was, you know, the universe source life, God presents us with opportunities Mm -hmm. to practice. Yes. You know, when you're working on something and you open your eyes, it's like, oh, here's another spiritual opportunity, a spiritual assignment, if you will. And so these men started coming into my life, different men from different places. Um, One was like a professional baseball player, like somebody who I would get attracted to like his star power. And I was like, okay, we had this great conversation, but I, and he was kind of, uh, you know, didn't really want to date me, but wanted to hang out with me. And I was like, no, thanks. I'm not, I'm not into that. Mm -hmm. But I I made several decisions that honored myself at a higher level and it is changing my brain. It is changing who I'm attracted to. I have this new like self-love and self-worth out of this. And then the person that I was um, obsessing over that I was very attracted to earlier in the year asked me during this period, of course, of I course. stopped calling him. I stopped reaching out and he calls me yeah. um, and wants to hang out. And I said, no, cause I knew, even though I really, really wanted to, I knew that that would make me crazy again and take me back to where I didn't want to go. And like, 
I am trying to heal that neural pathway and create a new one. And so I said, no, I had a date with myself that night. It was this beautiful experience where I had more fun alone with my own company than I've ever had in my life. And the next day, I something had shifted. I felt this new energy and this new groundedness and aliveness and awareness. And I was walking with mindfulness. Like it was just it felt different. And I am different out of that experience. So if you're trying to quit a bad habit or change a behavior that's really painful for you, you can, it's your choice and you can heal as soon as you're ready. And we just, and it's, and it really starts with awareness and waking up to our belief systems about ourselves and then seeing how that links to our behaviors and it's, all those subconscious patterns yes, that we're talking all, bring about. Bring those subconscious to the light because, yeah. and that's our dark sides, our, our shadow work, if you will. Mm-hmm. When it's in the dark, it's in the shadow. All you have to do is turn on the light yeah. and then it's no longer in the dark. And then we can start to heal from it. Yeah. And, but we first need that inkling to come up to be able to turn on the light. Cause that's the thing with subconscious. Um, a lot of times is that it's just that, or maybe it's more unconscious at that point. Mm-hmm. And we have to have those experiences, but also have to come to a place in life that we are aware enough to have the experience and then pull that mind, that, you know, that potential out of what it is that we're uh, experiencing so that we can bring it from the unconscious to the subconscious to the conscious. Yes. Uh, because there, it's, there's a layer that has to happen there um, to, to some extent. But like you're saying, it's so rewarding when we do honor it uh, and we take it seriously, what we have to kind of work through um, and then put the work in. It, like mm-hmm. you were saying, like rather than go off you know, and have that, that potential date, which might have been nice, whatever, you ended up deciding to spend that time on yourself Mm-hmm. which is the first and foremost thing that anybody should do, especially if they're looking for a, a partner or entertaining having one in their life, because we have to come to that wholeness. Um, you know, wholeness is a lifelong project, of course. Yes. But to some extent, we have to be become whole enough at that time in our life to have that experience that you're talking about, right. where you woke up changed, right? Yes. And if we're looking for a partner to fill our holes, yes, then you're going to have an enmeshed relationship and it's not going to be healthy and it's not going to be honoring. And then, you know, if I'm looking for somebody else to fill that part of me, then I'm never going to heal it within myself. I'm never going to work on that piece within myself because this, this man takes care of that for me. And then I don't get to grow and evolve and be that whole person. Yeah. Something else I wanted to go back to is about the emotions And, you know, when we, as a society, we are taught to numb. Oh, you broke up with your boyfriend. Let me bring over a pint of ice cream. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to, we're going to laugh and we're going to eat ice cream and watch a movie, which is not the way to really heal from it. That's not going to, that's just going to push it away. That's going to numb it. And we numb with alcohol, cigarettes, food, internet, you name it, Hulu, Netflix, whatever it is, it's the numbing is an avoidance. And we can't open our eyes and become aware of ourselves and these, these subconscious, unconscious belief systems and patterns unless we face the emotions. So they're very intertwined, the emotions and the unconscious belief systems. Because we have to allow ourselves to feel what's going on. The feeling is the healing, if you yeah. will. Like going if, into the feeling is where the magic happens. And the more we're able 
to feel and express the pain, the more we're going to have joy on the other side. It's this, it's this continuum that opens up. So the more you go on one side, it stretches and opens the other side. I've experienced this. <laughs> it is, it is a real thing, but you know, so I think it's really important for us to honor our feelings. And if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling hurt, if you're feeling angry, you need to go there. You absolutely need to allow yourself the space to express in whatever way feels right for you and be able to express your, your true hurt and not cover it up with anger. Because and like you were saying earlier, when you're angry, you would cry, you know, which is where when we're confused about our emotions and we're not fully expressing them, then we can't complete them. Yeah. So emotions are not going to, it's not a well that lasts forever, which sometimes it feels like I'm avoiding all my pain because there's so much, it's terrifying. And I, I can't go into it because it's never going to end, which it may feel that way, but it's not actually, it's not actually true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh my God. Well, it's <laughs> well, yeah. The anger, you know, displaced into the crying or anger displaced turns into depression mm-hmm. and we can't deal with that. But I love the idea of, so basically feelings are our radar, right? Absolutely. We're talking about emotional intelligence and, and, uh, e- learning more of that. And then hopefully in passing that on to children, like it'd be nice if, you know, if we're talking about early upbringing, cause upbringing doesn't just happen in the home. It also happens in daycare and then, you know, kindergarten and this early times, so if we can bring more of this emotional intelligence in to understand, like you're saying, uh, how the, yeah, the feelings, that's our sensor. That's the time to go into it for the most part. It's our radar. It's how we c- connect with our heart to know, you know, what it is that we truly feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless we, uh, dive into it when we're feeling it. And of course th- there is a fine line of taking it too far. So, uh, you know, you can't, you can dive in and you have to dive in, but then there's another time when you got to stop diving in too, because what can, the, the best way to do it, like you're putting out there, is to dive in, address it, feel it, transform it, right. move on from it. Right. There's, there's a wallowing, there, which yes. is very different <laughs> than going into the emotions yeah. with the intent of completing it and getting to the other side. You know, I always say to my friends, you know, when somebody's complaining about something, okay, you have two more minutes and then it's time to shift. And I do that, that same thing with myself. I need to rant. I need to vent okay, that's fine. And then I'm going to get responsible. Yeah. We have to, and it's the same thing with emotions. There is a point where the, the point of no return is where we're, you know, it's like, okay, I I'm feeling it. This is complete. And that takes practice, Yeah, you know, but you have to first allow yourself to express. And I think anger is a good example in our society that, you know, we have anger management and mm-hmm. it's, it's not okay to, to be angry, but you have to allow yourself I think the, the freedom to, maybe it does come on as explosiveness first. Sometimes you have to practice before you can learn to reel it in. But I think the, and I have, I have some tools for that, that I teach in my workshop to, you know, create a safe space for yourself so that you can practice and play with these things so that you're not just like a loose cannon, yeah. <laughs> you know, at work and getting yourself fired. Like that is not the goal, but, but sometimes we have to allow ourselves the freedom of expression, whatever form that it comes, and then kind of learn to rein it in and, and gain that emotional intelligence and how to 
feel your emotions in your body and then use them out in the world and have the facility to say, okay, I'm feeling really angry, but that is not going to serve the expression of that is not going to serve me in this situation. Here's how I have to use that. But I mean, that takes practice to be able to get there. Cause I used to be so angry. I'd be the kind of person that would see red. Like I didn't know I could only cuss and I would, my, my head would get hot and it felt like I was going to explode. <laughs> and I just, I couldn't do anything with my anger. So blah, yeah. but now it's a place where like, I can contain it and choose to use it in a way that serves. And anger is an important force for change. I mean, mother Teresa was angry and she created change. Martin Luther King created change. I mean, anger is the transformative mm. emotion. You're giving me something, Toby. Okay, going astro here. <laughs> well, we have a, an opportunity this week to, to have those changes and to work with that. Actually, this is playing in very nicely. <laughs> so right now we have Mars retrograde in Aquarius, right? And that, this is retrograde. This is an inner process where we can go back over uh, maybe some anger that lies within us to some extent. And we have a last quarter moon in Aries this week, which uh, that's the crisis of consciousness. When we have uh, something is probably going to be getting our emotional goat. It's going to be in the sign of Aries, which usually has to deal with some type of crisis. We're talking about the moon, emotional crisis. So chances are there might be something that comes up this week where you are going to be able to do these tools that we're talking about and to be conscious of that emotional intelligence and how you approach a situation. Because ultimately the moon, uh, its function is our reactions, our reactive uh, our force, so what I like to call our behavior motivator to some extent. Um, and so how are we reacting this week? When you have crisis that comes to you, uh, even if it's outside of you or internally, how do you respond? Uh, because it's a square, so we're going into action friction is creating action. And so I have a feeling where there's going to be an opportunity to take a lot of these things that we're talking about right here uh, and to have um, have our own workshop this week to some extent to work through um, that. So that's great. Nice. Like that. Like how you've twisted it very nicely for me in my own mind. I hope I'm getting that out there the right way for people to understand. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, and I, I just want to speak to that a bit because well, what do we do with that? You know, how, what do we do with those emotions? And, you know, my emotions come up a lot at my job, um, you know, because there's clients and deadlines and a lot of different personalities and people that I have to see every day that, you know, that, that may spark things in me or trigger me, if you Mm. will, um, and create a lot of emotions. So just speaking to that, I mean, when we have emotions this week, what I would suggest doing is getting in a safe place, whether that's your home or maybe it's your car when you can be completely by yourself or somewhere where you can express what has happened during the day and then journal about it. Like again, allow yourself to just have the feelings, vent, rant, whatever it is, be, you know, be indulgent, give yourself the space to do that and then decide what you want to do with it. Okay, I was really hurt by this situation. What do I want to do with that? Do I want to talk to that person? Do I want to do I want to create change out of that? Do I do I want to be different within myself? Maybe I just need to tend to myself and be very sweet and kind to myself and, you know, take a hot bath and play some music and be gentle with myself so that I can heal that piece. Maybe it's something that I only need to do within myself, but 
the first step is allowing yourself to have the emotion and to express in a safe space, just full out expression. And maybe it's, it is accompanied by a tantrum or like, you know, screaming into a pillow and like kicking (laughs) into your bed. You know, how often do we allow ourselves to like fully express? Probably not much, if ever. And you know, like me, I live in a, in a, in a condo building, like an apartment. So screaming probably wouldn't be the best thing. So the only place that I can really do that is my car. Yeah. And I do, Uh, you know, (laughs) when I'm driving or I'll pull off somewhere and just like, ah, let it out and then see what happens out of that. But that's where the magic happens is have the full expression in a safe space and then journal about it and decide where do I want to go with this? You said this is about action. So what action am I going to take with that emotion? Rather than just feeling like a victim, we're never victims. We always have a choice. We always have a choice. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And so it's so great. And especially with the idea of uh, finding that time to connect with yourself to get it out. Because Mm -hmm. here we are, if we're talking about Aries, Aries is a singular type of uh, independent type of energy. Um, So yeah, it can, it can lash out on others because it's concerned with the self. And that's where the, 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 something to be conscious of this week, but I love how you're putting it. Go find some alone time where you can get it out yourself and have that moment with yourself to connect and nurture what it is that you need uh, to get whatever that feeling is out. And I mean, it's also a fire sign because so you can go out and have a nice run because chances are if you're out there physically getting in your body somehow, you're going to be working through those emotions and get letting off that pent up release too. And a lot of times when the body is in motion, we can uh, fully incorporate some of the things that we're thinking about or emotions that are on our mind. There's like a flow, you know, to some extent. Um, so it, but don't stuff this don't week. stuff. <laughs> do not stuff the feelings with food, with internet, with whatever your drug of choice is, yeah. it may be another person, whatever it is, this is the week to allow yourself that expression. Yeah. Well, it's perfect because we have a grand trine in water and we're talking about cancer as you're like, watch out for the food. Yes. Cancer will stuff its face to emotional insecurity or like a failing away to control the, the self would be through that uh, you know, food, or like you're saying, don't go into some other person. That's another thing with cancer energy is it can be dependent. It's dependent upon other people, whether it's our significant others, our parents, our friends, what have you. And so the, the crisis that is coming up is actually stirring us to take control of ourselves and our situation and be the, you know, nurturing principle for ourselves. So I think that's great advice (laughs) right there. Um, because those are just band-aids. Those are going to make you feel good for a hot second, but nothing's going to, you know, happen out Mm -hmm. of it. You know, you're not going to change that feeling and it'll get stuffed like you're saying. Right. And it's got to, it will leak out somewhere. When we stuff our feelings, it comes out. It always comes out and they, and it gets stored in the body and it creates physical pain and, you know, and, and cloudiness in our brains. And, it's amazing when you start expressing, if you haven't been, how much more clear your thoughts get and how much calmer you will get. Yeah. And so, so basically to wrap it up here, like how, how do we use our feelings effectively for good decision-making? Because here we are, we, yeah, we have to get into it and feel it when it arises. But let's talk about feelings on the level where, because we have feelings every day, whether or not we're angry or right. not, Right. They're like these little sensor, sensors, like we were talking earlier, this emotional radar. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can we 
use these emotional triggers uh, to help guide our lives in some way. Do you mm-hmm. have any tips so that uh, you know along those types yeah. of lines? This is more of an intermediate skill, I would say, because first we have to learn where in our bodies we feel our emotions. And I learned for me that I felt my emotions, all of my emotions in my stomach. Oh, that's why I ate because mm. I was so uncomfortable with the feeling of cancer, anxiety, the stomach. Yes, yes. That's all my coming together, Toby. Oh. <laughs> continue, continue. <laughs> but once we feel our feelings and we we know what they are, and even if we don't know what they are, you know, there's a a meditation that I do that I take people through where you can learn to feel where your different feelings manifest in your body. So say you walk into a room and all of a sudden you have a gut clench or your ears get hot and you notice that. And it's like, what does that mean? There's something off in this room. What is that? You know, so that can be something that, that I feel like that's also a very feminine thing (laughs) that we do, but men can definitely do it too. Um, you know, you can decide what you want to do with that. But the first thing is to tap in and to feel what's going on in your body and to have the awareness that you're having the emotion. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, anger. Why am I angry? What am I angry about? This person may have triggered me because it has something to do with my past or my childhood and has nothing to do with them. Actually, our emotions <laughs> never have to do with another person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another person is fine and who they are because it's all about us and our reactions to them because this person next to me may not have that same reaction whatsoever because they have a different upbringing and a different, different programming. So there's no clear cut answer to this. But the first thing is to feel our emotions and just to be able to step back. The biggest thing that that I use, the biggest tool that I use is the breath. And I am a breathwork practitioner. So I I do breathwork every morning that is my meditation that helps me get into myself and ground. And then throughout the day, when things get overwhelming or something happens that triggers me, I just stop and take a breath. So the first thing to do is to stop and take six deep breaths. Close your eyes, put your feet on the ground and step back. Because when we react to something, it's probably not going to be the healthiest reaction for our situation or for the other person. So feel our feelings, take a step back, and then you can decide what you want to do with it. And usually when there's a strong... I mean, we've been talking about strong emotions this whole time. When there's a strong emotion it's usually best to sit on it and wait and not make yeah. an immediate decision. Two to three days. That's usually where I go. Wow. That's a long time. <laughs> uh, well, I, well, it's funny. I mean, we won't go into it here, but Toby and I have been talking about, there's another system called human design that's mm-hmm. out there. That's rather fascinating. Um, and if you have an emotional intelligence in that system, um, or if you have an emotional center, that is your guideline, uh, in that system, not everybody is an emotional, uh, it falls into the emotional criteria within that system. But for those of us who do, and I am one, I'm not sure if Toby is one, but that, that's two to three days. You have to wait it out. And if you think about it, it's a no-brainer because the moon moves through each sign in two and a half days. Mm-hmm. So what you're feeling under one type of circumstance is very likely to change a couple of days afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can't always do that. Like you said, that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we don't always have that luxury. Uh, but we do have that luxury in certain situations where our emotions have to decide other things like, you know, do I want to make a big purchase of some sort? 
um, how do I emotionally feel about that? Because emotions can also be the radar for those types of things. And something that we might want one day, three days from now, we may not want that again. Pausing Pausing. and breathing is the key. Absolutely. And shopping can be another way to stuff our feelings. Yeah. So, and it's not always clear in the moment when we're like trigger happy or Amazon prime happy that, you know, it's like, I want that. I'm going to get that right away. But are we filling an emotional hole? Yes. Are we filling a need that we think this object, this, this item, this capitalism is going to help me with? Yeah. Is it really going to make my life better or do I need to step back and feel the emotion and process it first? So to make decisions, you know, like what we're talking about is having a system where we can step back and evaluate truly. So being able to step back in the moment, take a breath and then go home, express that feeling, journal about it. When we allow ourselves to express and complete an emotion and we can get to the other side where it's, it's, I'm in full responsibility for what I've created in my life and for everything that I'm feeling, that decision is going to be different on the other side of that. It's going to be different. Now, this is a is is quite a long process when we're things happen to us on a daily basis. We may have to make decisions a lot quicker. However, we always have time for breath. Yeah, we always have time to s- take six breaths and reground ourselves before we just shotgun react to something. Yeah, and that's pretty much if any if we're gonna leave you with anything here today because there's a lot of. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to approach emotions. There's a lot of different emotional faculties, like even what we're talking about, uh, reactive situations versus uh, emotions that have been there for a long time that we work through on another level. Um, But I would say if there's one key thing to take away, especially this week with the last quarter moon in Aries, listen to Toby. Six breaths. Just stop. (laughs) Take it in. Six deep breaths. Six deep breaths? Six deep breaths. So... I thought you said 60. 60. Oh, I'm no. like, we're going to be breathing a long time. Well, you can. That's, that's a great practice also. But six deep breaths, slow, long, deep breaths will help. We'll go a long way. I love it. All right. Well, Toby, you've shared some fantastic information here today. And I think that we, uh, I, don't, I feel like I've worked through something just sitting here talking about it all. Um, so... I love it. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Um, and so where can people find you? What do you got going on? You've heard you mention this workshop. Yes. Tell us more. Uh, I have a workshop on Sunday, July 15th at Sojourn Healing Collective from 1230 to 3.30 p.m. called Discovering the Subconscious Mind about what we've been talking about here today emotional intelligence and uncovering your unconscious programming, your belief systems and the ways in which you operate in the world and how to change those into more empowering belief systems. So you can make some real changes in your life. So that is again, happening at Sojourn Healing Collective on July 15th. And you can sign up at sojournsd.com. Yes. And that is in San Diego for all our people that might not be here, yes. just FYI. And I don't have a website, but you can find me on Instagram at Tobra133. That's T-O-B-R-A-133. And on Facebook at Toby Geis, T-O-B-E-Y-G-E-I-S-E. Yes. And I will have all that information on my pages as well. So you're able to connect with uh, Toby if you want to. I highly recommend it. You're a burst of fabulous energy that I can sense right away. Um, and she is definitely an asset to this world. So reach out. Um, yes, yes. So where can you find me? Where can you find me? You can find me at energeticprinciples.com. Uh, you can find me at energetic principles on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, also 
Just a reminder about my Patreon. If you want to have monthly moon horoscopes and tarot subscriptions or early access to the podcast, that can all be found at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Um, and last but certainly not least, if you want to be like Tenacious Dietz, who wrote me the fabulous five-star review on iTunes, <laughs> um, I would love uh, to hear what you think. And uh, please share with a friend and uh, leave a rating if you would like to you know, help me get out there a little bit more because it takes takes a village, people. Um, <laughs> it takes the village, people. It takes the <laughs> village, people. <laughs> now, people would be interested if I had some village people around here. Oh, thoughts, maybe. New direction, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you again, Toby, for being here. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, so until next time, may the stars be with you. <laughs>